Oi, oi! Welcome to Eddie Hurst podcast version of The War of the Worlds. I am Eddie Hurst, 50% of the title, maybe. I don't know, if you break down the letters, it might be more. I'm not gonna... You know, I'll be back in a minute. I'm Eddie Hurst, I'm 19% of that title, and this is the podcast where each ep... Where each episode, I take apart a chapter of H.G. Wells' classic sci-fi novel, The War of the Worlds. I put in jokes, we do a song or two, maybe some deep dives, and have some very special personal comedy friends. And oh boy, are they uh, special friends I've got on today. I'm really excited to have the delightful Sausage on. They are a Edinburgh Comedy Award-nominated double act of Chris Cantrell and Amy Gladhill. You might have seen them on Harry Hill's Club Night. You might have seen them on Late Night Mash on Dave Channel. You might have seen them on all sorts of stuff. You might have seen them live. Look. It's not for me to say. I don't know what your experiences are. You can decide that yourself. Uh, they talk about how much they enjoy being in a double act by uh, comparing and contrasting that with uh, where we are with the narrator in Chapter 5, The Stillness, uh, which is, of course, host murder of his uh, par- partner. Uh, they're, they're, doing, they're doing better than that. So they're going to be jumping in and out of this chapter uh, with the little asides as we have conversations just based on bits from the from the book. So I hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to go see them live, why don't you? They're on a national tour at the moment. They're doing their award-nominated show, Ginster's Paradise, in Aberystwyth at the Comedy Festival on the 3rd of October. That's this weekend. And then on Saturday the 16th of October, they're in Manchester. And they're all about, so you can check their website out, which is thedelightfulsausage.com forward slash tour, or follow them at the delightful sausage on most of the uh, on most of the social media is there any news from me uh, this weekend uh, Saturday I'm gonna be a comedy club for kids if you got any kids if you're a kid and also I'll be in Oswestry on the 7th of November doing a longer set so you could see me at that other than that please do like subscribe rate the podcast it does really help we're, we're up in the charts in all sorts of countries which is a really lovely surprise and also follow me on at Eddie Hurst on Facebook Twitter or Instagram also there's some very exciting war of the world live news uh, coming round the bend so if you want to find out about that follow on there or sign up to my mailing list which is on eddiehurst.co.uk alright admin tick introduction tick start in the chapter tick chapter 5 the stillness and our special guests for this chapter are Amy Gledhill and Chris Cantrell of the Edinburgh Comedy Award nominated double act The Delightful Sausage here they are with their hot takes on Chapter 5. What a shocker. What an absolute shocker this guy's having. <laughs> He's having the worst. What, like, this mate who he hated for, like, all of the book died last chapter, and now he's dead upset about it. <laughs> like, like he, he was miserable about this person, and then he was gone, and he was like, ah, no, actually, you know what? I am sad he's gone. Well, this is the thing. I always, you know, when you do the uh, would you rather questions... One of my favourite would you rather questions is would you rather be alone for the rest of your life, much like this guy probably is now, apart from the Martians and some dogs and birds, would you rather be alone for the rest of your life or be with one other person that gets picked at random and then you, but you can never separate from them? And I think that's such a tough question because being on your own can be brilliant and can be really sad but being with someone else again, it's like, what's the, the lesser of two evils? And it feels like this guy is living out my would you rather because he's been with one other person, didn't yeah. get along, but now he's like, oh, actually, maybe that was better, you know? I would be on my own. Okay, happy. so that's that's speaking as <laughs> sorry. Let me. That's second half of double act, uh, yeah. delightful sausage. 
cruise control. Yeah, as, a, as someone who's been in a double act for four years, I'll take the solitude. I will take the solitude, yes, please. <laughs> oh, it's good to know, isn't it? Good to know where we both stand. No, but I mean, putting you, um, like you, my wife and my child, just bit of meantime. <laughs> you guys can all hang out together and forever I shall be on my own from that point on. Sounds good to me. Do you know what? I believe you. I believe you as well. I do believe that that's what you'd rather do. I get annoyed when people come around my house. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like someone's coming round. Am I in a mood about it all afternoon? Like, coming this afternoon. Oh. <laughs> And I, and I I always say, like, am I meant to be there? Yeah, it's your brother. <laughs> My first act before I went into the pantry was to fasten the door between the kitchen and the scullery. But the pantry was empty. Every scrap of food had gone. Apparently, the Martian had taken it all on the previous day. At that discovery, I despaired for the first time. This is not the first time he's despaired. Who's he trying to kid here? We've been with him the whole time. I took no food or no drink either, on the 11th or the 12th day. You can take our way of life. You can take our buildings. You can take my wife. You can take a man I knew for approximately a week. But if you dare take my snacks, you've made it personal. At first, my mouth and throat were parched, and my strength ebbed sensibly. I sat about in the darkness of the scullery, in a state of despondent wretchedness. Have you ever had a worse day than this? Being trapped in a scullery. Me and Amy were filming a, a little sketch near my house once, and the day kicked off uh, with me having to do an hour, hour and 40 round trip to but to the other side of Manchester to pick her up. Oh, actually, to, because she'd locked herself in, and it wasn't to pick her up, it was to go to her housemate's work to get his keys oh, to go back to pick her up to take her. That was a pretty, that was a pretty bad morning. Well, I think that's a terrible choice that you've just made there. All you've done is <laughs> thought, question one, how can I have a dig at Amy? Straight <laughs> off the bat. Um, yeah, I've had a worse day. I've had a worse day. Just hanging out with Chris. <laughs> just hanging out on a normal day. That's worse than this bitch acting at school. In it a way, his I birthday. Think. I had to see him. We had pizza. The pizza was good, but his company was so bad. I was just thinking, I wish I was in a scullery. <laughs> I think if you if you if you took a picture of me, if you took a picture of me and you like put it in the show notes, people will look and be like, you can tell from his eyes that he's trapped in a scullery of the mind. There's <laughs> <laughs> something in his eyes. He's gone. My mind ran on eating. I thought I had become deaf for the noises of movement I had been accustomed to hear from the pit had ceased absolutely. I did not feel strong enough to crawl noiselessly to the peephole, or I would have gone there. Martian peep show, get your Martian peep show, 50p a peep at the Martian people. I don't feel strong enough. Alright, seat yourself, it'll be for the Martian people peep show. On the twelfth day, my throat was so painful that, taking the chance of alarming the Martians, I attacked the creaking rainwater pump that stood by the sink, and I got a couple of glassfuls of blackened and tainted rainwater. I was greatly refreshed by this, and emboldened by the fact that no inquiring tentacle followed the noise of my pumping. Now, come on, he doesn't... <laughs> he doesn't mean it... He doesn't mean it like that. He means a water pump. 
do you bugger? <laughs> no, you behave. During these days, in a rambling, inconclusive way, I thought much of the curate and of the manner of his death. On the thirteenth day, I drank some more water and dozed and thought disjointedly of eating and of vague, impossible plans of escape. Whenever I dozed, I dreamt of horrible phantasms, of the death of the curate or of sumptuous dinners. But, asleep or awake, I felt a keen pain that urged me to drink again and again. We've all been there. Well. The light that came into the scullery was no longer grey, but red. To my disordered imagination, it seemed the colour of blood. I mean, I'm no expert, but it sounds like the colour of blood too. Right? Red. On the fourteenth day, I went into the kitchen, and I was surprised to find that the fronds of the red weed had grown right across the hole in the wall. Mercy, it's me, the explaining lad. I'm a private investigator, a PI. I went to private investigator university called PU, and let me tell you, it's stunk. A front, it's what they call them sort of leaves that ferns and them sort of plants have, you know what I mean? The sort of sticky-outy leaves they turn in the temperature and the heat and they turn out again. They're what the ancient plants had, honey. Like a fern that you see in Jurassic Park or something. Anyway, chuts, I gotta go. I got a hot case with a sweet pub that might tell me where I came from. Turning the half-light of the place into a crimson-coloured obscurity it was early on the 15th day that I heard a curious, familiar sequence of sounds in the kitchen. And, listening, I identified it as the snuffing and scratching of a dog. Going into the kitchen, I saw a dog's nose peering in through a break among the ruddy fronds. Ah, oh, amazing! We got a dog! Who doesn't love a dog? What a, what a trade-up from the curate! What, what sort of scrapes this dog's going to get into in this world of an alien invasion? Oh my god, this dog is in danger! HG, why have you done this to us? Haven't we suffered enough? This greatly surprised me. At the scent of me, he barked shortly. Woof. I thought if I could induce him to come into the place quietly, I should be able, perhaps, to kill and eat him. In the run-up to this, so, it's like, they've been so hungry for ages, and the curate, who was the guy who passed away, R.I.P., yeah. rest yeah. in parish, because he was a parishioner. He's died after eating all of the food, basically. And I can't figure out if he's more annoyed about that than he is about uh, him actually dying. Right. Oh, you would be fucked off with that. You would be. Yeah. For ages, he's kept this curate guy alive. And yet the first moment he sees a dog, he thinks, I could eat that. Like, yeah. that's, that's his oh, thought really? process. I feel like, I don't know, did you but not? would you not? I don't know. Would you? Would you? This is this was going to be my question. Like, w would you Would you have a go on a dog if, you, if, if like, there was no other food? Yeah. 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 Not even yeah. a quite not even <laughs> you proposed a question like as in what's this big moral debate? No. Eat the dog. <laughs> they eat dog in other places, don't they? Right? Subway's open. Dog is... No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have all the information. And is the subway has the subway got dog? <laughs> Do you know what? In that in that circumstance, when it's like survival, I actually think the yeah. cuter the animal, almost like the easier. Like, like, like I think 
eating stuff that's scary Gosh. would be hard. You know, like if I was a dogs are lovely. Dogs yeah. look nice and they look soft and clean, and I'd happily eat, eat a dog if I had to. <laughs> but like, if it was like a horrible, like a weird looking, like I don't know, like a scorpion or like yeah. a real like, fucked up like rat, like a big rat. I think that'd be harder. And yeah, also, like, okay. dogs are the right size to, like, yeah. get meat. meat off. Whereas, you know, when you, right. when you hear people, like, eating, like, like getting little bits of insects and stuff, and you're like, oh, I'd rather eat yeah. one medium dog than, like, <laughs> 50 cockroaches. Do you know what I mean? Because it's going to be a yeah. horrible experience, but at least it's done. Sure, sure, sure. But bugs are, like, because the, the food shortage is coming... With the population growing and yeah, so I reckon that bug bug protein is the next big thing to to enter the to the food chain because it's it's really sustainable compared to like yeah. um, beef and stuff. So I reckon that they, you could buy it now in some places like cricket flour. I know they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've, really? they're speaking too. I, I heard it. I heard it on another podcast. I can't remember which one, but whoever it is was speaking like to the people that sold sushi to america in the 70s you know like no one was no one had touched yeah, it conceptually course, it was so, yeah, yeah. but then like through celebrity endorsements and stuff it's taken over so i reckon that's only going to get us eating bugs so i'd just be there with my tongue darting out like a little toad <laughs> absolutely fatter than i've ever been <laughs> and you won't think and you won't think you can get fat on bugs but you're like you've just got to treat it like a job you get up 9 a.m bugs <laughs> 10 a.m a call to talk about the procurement of more bugs 11 a.m bugs then then you go to that drain pipe you crawl over and get the rainwater out yeah yeah, back yeah, to yeah. The bugs. yeah back to the bugs what would you what would be it... your like oh no i'm not gonna eat that that's like if you're in this point would you be would you be like because i do think a lot of preciousness over food goes out the window but is there a bit that you'd be like no nah, i'm not eating that uh, okay. Uh, would you, if someone was you injured, eat, uh... I couldn't. I don't yeah, think I sure. could eat it. If I'd eat around it, I'm quite hungry now. <laughs> uh, but it's quite difficult to imagine not eating anything. But would you like? Would you want it to have a fighting chance? Is that it? No, I mean if it was dead already. So the say, say there was an animal. Okay. And it was, it's... and it, but it had an injury to it. Yeah. And it was going off. A monkey leg. A monkey leg. I couldn't eat yeah. that. You're like the op- like the opposite of a vulture. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's your that's your rule. The vultures can have that. You're having something that you have to right on the neck. Yeah, yeah. I want them to be really healthy before I kill them. Like in the prime of life, everything to live for. Really healthy, clean, having a great time, quite happy, ideally. Yeah. And then just bang, you're gone. <laughs> I'm eating <your> flesh. <laughs> and in any case. It would be advisable to kill him, lest his actions attracted the attention of the Martians. I crept forward, saying, Good dog, very softly. But he suddenly withdrew his head and disappeared. Yeah, absolutely. That dog has shown an amount of awareness that no human character so far in this book has had. Also, right, this guy went on about how much he hated being with the curate all the time. And yeah, let him live with him and eat all his food. And yet the moment he sees a cute, fun dog that would be useful if you're trying to navigate around Martians, he decides to kill it. What is his priorities? 
I listened. I was not deaf, but certainly the pit was still. I heard a sound like the flutter of a bird's wings, and a horse croaking, but that was all. Uh, just going to jump in here and say it's horse croaking as in like H-O-A-R-S-E, like a, like a sore throat croaking rather than the animal a horse croaking, because that, that would be a, a concerning sound. I mean, how, why, why are they imitating frogs? That's the beginning of more questions than we have time to answer right now. For a long while I lay close to the peephole, but not daring to move aside the red plants that obscured it. Once or twice I heard a faint pitter-patter like the feet of the dog going hither and thither on the sand far below me. And there were more bird-like sounds, but that was all. At length, encouraged by the silence, I looked out, except in the corner where a multitude of crows hopped and fought over the skeletons of the dead the Martians had consumed, there was not a living thing in the pit. I stared about me, scarcely believing my eyes. All the machinery had gone, save for the big mound of greyish-blue powder in one corner, certain bars of aluminium in another, the blackbirds and the skeletons of the killed. The place was merely an empty circular pit in the sand. Okay, so we've got weird greyish-blue powder, we've got some bars of aluminium, we've got some blackbirds, and we've got a bunch of skeletons. I mean, we've got all of the materials to create a Halloween scare area, but other than that, I mean, it's completely empty. Other than all that stuff, completely empty pit. Slowly, I thrust myself out through the red weed and stood upon the mound of rubble. I could see in any direction save behind me, to the north, and neither Martians nor sight of Martians were to be seen. The pit dropped sheerly from my feet, but a little way along the rubbish afforded a practicable slope to the summit of the ruins. My chance of escape had come. I began to tremble. I hesitated for some time, and then, in a gust of desperate resolution, and with a heart that throbbed violently, I scrambled to the top of the mound in which I had been buried so long. I looked about again. To the northward, too. No Martian was visible. Have you guys um have you guys ever seen a Martian? Go on, Chris. Um No. What you said earlier, you'll oh. be so surprised by my answer to this, and I've been so excited to hear it. And your answer is um no. You know, I was excited about it too. Yeah, which is which is surprising because of how I set it up, isn't it? You know what? You're so. absolutely right. You've done an absolute diamond there but where i moved to, well i think i'm paying the best possible way i moved myself where i moved to is the best possible place to see right. two reasons one i'm in a i'm in like it's called a dark skies area pretty much you uh, know okay, so yeah, yeah. like minimal street like so i haven't got city orange light polluting my view of the aliens and I've got a secret military base up the road, which I probably shouldn't go on about loads, but it's just <laughs> hidden away. And, and I think they do the test gas lines or something like that, but what are they really doing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> aliens. That's what they're, they're doing, aliens. So, That's interesting. They're doing aliens. Yeah, aliens one, aliens two. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing all. They're doing all of them, really. They're so busy. Reshoot Stanley Kubrick's reshooting the Alien franchise. <laughs> Cumbria. I think, like, I think that aliens do exist. Definitely. Yeah, sure, sure. Statistically, they have to do. But I don't. I think the chances of them being like comparable to us are totally minute. So I think up there somewhere, it's just like a moss with an eye in it. Right. You know. Oh, like a, oh, like a finger. But how is that different to you? 
Right, uh, I'm trying, God, you've got me off guard there, I can't think. I, I am just a big hairy mess with a little knob in the middle. Um, so I think <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, no matter what my wife says, I'm not going to trim it. I'm not going into the 21st century. How about, how about you, Amy? Have you ever seen a no. Would you be open to it? Yeah, if it was fit. <laughs> God, come on, come aboard. Um, I was speaking to someone yesterday about Hull and she said, are you from East Hull? And I said, yeah, but there's this like one street or a couple of streets in Hull in the middle that's randomly called Witham. And I said, I'm kind of near there really. And she said, do you know that that is uh, the spot that of really, really high alien sightings and abd- abductions? And I didn't know that. And um, what near Hull? In, it's in Hull. It's like it's like a weird industrial estate. No, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. I've been met a few people yeah, from I Hull. Now. <laughs> like, I know. They just have that. They just have that whiff. They have that energy about them, don't they? Well, like? there's a street. There's a street off Witham called Holdness Road. Um, and my parents were at one end of it, and they used to get the bus and like watch everyone walking down this street. And honestly, everyone had a carrier bag and a bandage. And now I'm thinking that's some sort of the bandages. These that's an bandages. alien goodie bag. That's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what they give yeah. you? Like a party, uh, like a party yeah, bag, yeah. <laughs> bit of cake, coloring book, and a bandage. <laughs> and a bandage. <laughs> the bandage. <laughs> but I think the bandages are covering up Thank like tentacles and that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So now, God, yeah, really, really changed. You've really uh, gone in thinking. for it. Yeah, yeah. So I think Hull's probably the epicenter of a lot of alien activity. So that's where that's what I'm saying, and I'm sticking to it. I do. Thank All you. All right. When I had last seen this part of Sheen in the daylight, it had been a straggling street of comfortable white and red houses, interspersed with abundant shady trees. Now I stood on a mound of smashed brickwork, clay, and gravel, over which spread a multitude of red cactus-shaped plants, knee-high, without a solitary terrestrial growth to dispute their footing. The trees near me were dead and brown, but further a network of red threads scaled the still-living stems. The neighbouring houses had all been wrecked, but none had been burnt. Their walls stood, sometimes to the second storey, with smashed windows and shattered doors. The red weed grew tumultuously in their roofless rooms. Below me was the great pit, with the crows struggling for its refuse. A number of other birds hopped about among the ruins. Far away, I saw a gaunt cat slink crouchingly along a wall. But traces of men, there were none. No no word on whether he's going to try and eat the cat yet, but I'm willing to take a bet he's thinking about it. The day seemed, by contrast with my recent confinement, dazzlingly bright. The sky a glowing blue. A gentle breeze kept the red weed that covered every scrap of unoccupied ground gently swaying. And oh, the sweetness of the air! Ain't no waves up on the seashore. The tide ain't coming in yet. 
The stillness. whether seeing an alien would be more or less scary <laughs> than seeing a ghost with aliens i feel like it's like you said chris it's quite yeah. a logical like well statistically it'd be mad if there's nothing else with like life in mm-hmm. the entire world or like the entire universe but with ghosts it's sort of like yeah. where you i don't know like there's not much scientific evidence or there's not much logic to being like well statistically there must be orbs of spirits that nobody has ever properly seen existing in the same areas <laughs> as you know but some people are like proper into ghosts and yeah yeah and it's always i don't know i can't like i don't know i don't know if they're there or not but it's 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 always i think because you have to you want to believe in an afterlife and so i'm always surprised mm-hmm. at some people who go proper in for ghosts yeah and it is because they a lot of the time they had a christian upbringing and so they have to believe in an afterlife and if you believe in an afterlife well obviously you're going to believe in a ghost because there's something after this yeah exactly exactly it's it's, it's tricky it's a tricky um it's a tricky question to answer it's like the ghost is like something that exists now changing state into a different unknowable thing whereas an alien is just like a it's like it almost like just a different species isn't it like dogs yeah. ex- dogs yeah. exist so why couldn't I couldn't a big lizard with with a hand on its head? Thanks for having Case me. Case closed. <laughs> Eddie, please close, please close this case. Chris, the case is closed. So there you have it. It was a bit of a shorter chapter than normal. I I always find it funny how it, like. He, he did this monthly, like, he did each each chapter that he wrote monthly, but then they vary in size so much. It's like his editor didn't say, could you just, could you do, like, maybe five pages each time or something? Nah, sometimes you get, like, one page, two pages, other times it's, like, 14 pages. He, he, he's all over the show. He's all over the show. But 
I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did, and thank you very much to Chris Cantrell and Amy Gladhill of The Delightful Sausage for joining us. Please do go check out their tour. Go onto their website, delightfulsausage.com forward slash tour for information. They've got a show at 3rd of October, which is this Sunday in Aberystwyth as part of the Comedy Festival. And then on the 16th of October, they're doing their show in Manchester as well, which I'm going to try and get down to, so you might see me lurking in the corner. Thank you. Please do like, rate, subscribe, and follow me if you want on at Eddie Hurst, which is E-D-Y-H-U-R-S-T on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Also, feel free to sign up to my mailing list on eddiehurst.co.uk because there is some news coming about War of the Worlds live shows. What? How are you going to do it? It can't be done! Please, who are you? Me? Behave. It's going to be great. Anyway, guys, I'll see you for Chapter 6. Anyway, guys, hope you have a nice week, and I'll see you for Chapter 6, which is The Work of 15 Days. See you in a bit.